Basmero. Amen. Thank you. And on behalf of the staff, the pastors, I just want to say we appreciate your appreciation. And uh, we love you. Love you. It's not a burden to serve you. God has led us to be here. And glad that you're part of the family and we can celebrate together. So thank you all for your expression of appreciation on this. The, it's actually Pastor's Appreciation Month around the world, I guess. Uh, so you've heard about that. Anyhow, um, in the bulletin is a green paper. I leave for uh, India a week from tomorrow. And on the screen, I put about five pictures. There's a little uh, green sheet in your bulletin. I, I put that in so that you could uh, take it home, put it in your Bible, put it in your refrigerator, because I am requesting prayer for us. This is a picture of the last class I had in graduate school that I t- taught uh, hours and hours a day. Great guys going out to serve the Lord. Amen. And uh, these are the boys in the orphanage. You talk about praising God for little kids. In a worship service, I just looked over and said, I'm going to get their pictures with all their hands in the air worshiping the Lord. Uh, Boys in the orphanage. Here I am preaching with an interpreter who actually was one of my students uh, before. Great, great uh, interpreter uh, preaching there. Uh, Here's the actual church. Uh, there was too many people that day to be in the church, so this is actually in the Bible College building. Those are the classrooms on the side, but those are uh, people gathering to worship God there in Itarsi, India. And then lastly, it's a picture of the convention that uh, we have every year. I think it's the 65th annual convention this year, and uh, I'll be teaching every morning. And that's part of the crowd, usually about 1,000 people. Uh, these are ladies on this side that's come to the altar, men on the other side that's come to the altar, and that's under the big tent that uh, I'll be there on the third week uh, all day. I'll give the opening message, and uh, we're going to have a great convention before I come home. It's going to be a long trip, as you can see, three weeks, and I just want you to have a, a, a copy of what we'll be doing. First week, uh, we're going to do a crusade in Gujarat, and uh, excuse the Indian, my Indian uh, Pronunciation for our Indian people. How do you say Gujarat? Say Gujarat. Not I do it wrong. Amen. I stopped in Dominic's the other day. Had an Indian uh, lady checking me out, and I said, "Well, I go to India." She said, well, "Where are you going?" "Well, I'm going to Gujarat." She said, "Where?" <laughs> I said, "Gujarat, Gujarat, Gujarat. You know, Gujarat on the west coast." "What?" I said, "Oh, Gujarat. That's where I'm from." So it lets me know my pronunciation is not very good. Uh, Forget that one. Second week, I have the privilege of going with Dr. Matthew Thomas to Indonesia for the World Pentecostal Fellowship. Uh, It's a church of 90,000 members, huge church in a Muslim nation. 90,000 members, 14 services on the weekend. And uh, they would come from all over the world. And they've asked me to do a workshop on the Holy Spirit and team ministry. I'm looking forward. But I need your prayers. There'll be about 500 people in my session. I need to pray for me as I go. Amen? And the first Sunday we go up to another town and minister four services there. Then we turn back to Itarsi for the the convention and uh, the graduation and all those things. So I just want you to know what I'll be doing. It'll be three and a half weeks. And you can imagine how much... Your prayers mean. If any of you would like to see about the work in India, they have a new website, centralindiaoutreach.org. Uh, check it out. I thought it was .com, but one of the two. 
check it out because uh, all the pictures are there, what's happening, where I go. I've been going for 20 years, and what a blessing it is. And thank you for your prayers as I go. When you pray, just pray for me. I'll be speaking practically daily. Um, I don't want to go without prayers. I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, number one. Pray that we'll have the anointing every time we speak. I'll remain in health and strength. I really have to praise God for all my time going that I've been healthy and strong. I praise God for that. And for safety, we'll be received well, and it will be able to come home full of the blessing of the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you that we can be involved around the world in our church. I thank you, Lord, for the people you've sent. Lord, as they express their appreciation, I want to thank you, God, for creating the body of Christ in this location that we can reach out, be touched, moved upon by you. Bless this word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Title for my message this morning is Redigging Wells, Restoring Blessing, and Renewing Relationships. You have sermon notes on the back of your uh, bulletin, but I want to, that's what we're going to talk about. And please turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26, book of Genesis chapter 26. Story comes in verses 12 to 36. While you're looking, I want to mention something new that would be Aren't you thankful for all the creative things happening around here? Seeing a bulletin uh, this week, Pastor Darrell goes on uh, radio, not with just a 30-second thing like we had before, actually a 30-minute broadcast, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 7 p.m., preaching the Word. And uh, share it with your friend. We're thrilled about that. And one of the things we did is put in the lobby uh, Bibles, NIV, a beautiful cover, very cheap paper inside. Because we got them for a very good price. But uh, they're there. If you don't have a Bible when you come to church, pick one up. If you want to use it, put it back in your deck. Or if you need a Bible or you know somebody does, take it with you. There's a bunch of them in the lobby. I just want to let you know that's happening uh, as an outreach for our, our church. Genesis 26. And these chapters, this chapter in the book of Genesis is about the life of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. You remember, no doubt, that he was a child of promise, that God had promised him uh, to be born to Abram and Sarah. Took about 25 years in their old age. That's chapter 15, when he was promised. Age of 12, chapter 22, uh, God said, I want you to give me that son back. And then God provided a substitute. Perfect picture of the cross, where a substitute took our place and uh, died in in our stead. Went on and uh, remarried Rebekah by divine leading in chapter 24. They had two sons, Jacob and Esau, who fought in their life. Once uh, Jacob had to flee for his life, came back, wrestled with God. And uh, God changed his name from Jacob, which meant deceiver, to Israel. Prince with God is what that means. And thereby the nation of Israel was formed. That's just a little background on Isaac as we get started. But in this chapter, chapter 26, first of all, God renews his covenant with Isaac that he had given to his father Abraham and repeated several times in the previous chapters. I want to begin by reading Genesis 26, 2 to 5. And the first part of the sermon, I'll be reading quite a bit from Genesis 26, just to lay a groundwork for our message today. First of all, let's look at Genesis 25, 26, verse 2 to 5, where it says, Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down into Egypt, but do as I tell you. 
Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised to Abraham, your father. Let me stop for a minute and say, how many of you know that if we're really going <laughs> to go on with God, we can't be running off to Egypt, to the world, this type of the world. We have to stay in the promises of God and walk in his obedience. Amen? Thank you for that one amen I got. Hallelujah. How many are glad to be here this morning? I am. Hallelujah. I am happy. Pastor Darrell's gone, uh, so I get to preach. I let the old man preach. And uh, Pastor Fred had a funeral yesterday. He wasn't in service last night. I bet you were eating cake while I was trying to preach at the reception, no doubt. So uh, glad Pastor Fred's back this morning. And uh, we're here. I'm at verse 4, in case you forgot where I was. He said there, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. That's from the New Living Translation. Abraham obeyed, and it carried on that he would have the same promise. And our story today begins after the covenant that now had been given to Isaac, not just Abraham, his father, but to Isaac. And as he got this covenant and trusted God and obeyed God and walked with God, I want you to notice next in verses 12 to 15 how God prospered him because he was a child of, the, of promise and he walked with God. Let me read Genesis 26, 12 to 15. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. <laughs> wow, what a victory. Can you imagine planting something and have a hundred times more? That would help make you rich fast, right? Uh, the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, he became a very rich man. His wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines, the enemy, became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Jacob's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. Um, before I go any far, there's a little truth here. And that is, here's a man who was blessed but the enemy didn't like it. And I just want to say, he was so blessed that it created problems that he had to overcome. Have you ever lived for God? God's really blessing. And you say, well, I shouldn't have any problems now. I'm walking in the spirit, God. And then all of a sudden, you have something happen. Sometimes you are going on with God. There's a testing to your faith and a problem. He was all this Isaac needed water. And the men of that land were so envious that God was blessing him so much. It says in verse 14, are we cutting out? You can't hear me? I've been preaching 10 minutes. You can't hear me? This one isn't even on. This doesn't work. This, oh, it works. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. I really like to, I don't like to preach with a mic. I like my hands to be going to go all over the place, but I'll, I'll try and do my best. Verse 14 says, the Philistines envied him. 
New Living Translation says they were jealous of him. Verse 16 said, The king of that land said to Isaac, Go from us, for thou art mightier than we are. New Living Translation, I like it. Go someplace else, for you become too powerful for us. Basically, they kicked out Isaac because he was so blessed and wealthy more than they were. And so Isaac left that land, went to a neighboring land just south of the Philistines where they had been. And uh, in these things I see in this passage, number four, Isaac with his men servants then began to dig out the wells that his father Abraham had dug for his flocks of sheets and gold. A generation before he had dug these wells. Isaac and his servants, read verse 18 here. Verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names as his father had given them. The story is this. Wherever Isaac's servants went and redug the well of their father, the Philistines, these men from another country, another nation, came and harassed them and took these wells away from Isaac's servants. Even though technically those wells belonged to Abraham, he had dug those wells, but the enemy came to rob, kill, and destroy and take over what God had promised to give his people. The application for that is in the New Testament, we can be blessed of God but we have an enemy that has come to rob, steal, steal, and kill what God wants to do in our life. That's found in John 10, 10. See, the father, Abraham, had provided these blessings for his son. Aren't you thankful God, our father, has provided blessings for us? He's there to minister to us, and he had provided them for his son. But an enemy came in to steal away the blessing that his father had given to him. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking to devour whatever he can get a hold of. But God has given us the promise. I read that first. God's given us the victory. Anybody say amen? We have an inheritance in the beloved, in Jesus Christ. But the enemy follows us around and would take from us that which God has promised to give us. See, God wants to give us the victory. He wants to restore the refreshing wells in our life that we will be bubbling up with the things of God and flowing in the things of God. Let me continue to go on here and lay this groundwork. I want us to look at these wells, beginning in verse 20, 19 and 20. Wells that belong to God's people, and I want you to see what happened. Continue reading from Genesis 26, verse 19. Isaac's service done, dug well, dug in the valley, and discovered a well of fresh water there. Verse 20, but the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, this water is ours. So he named the well Esek because they disputed with him. First well, he called the name of that well Esek. Next verse, verse 21, then they dug another well. But they quarreled over that one also, so he named it Sitna. Verse 22, he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. So he named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. 
What they said was, at this time, the Lord has made room for us, and we're going to flourish. And they called that, well, Rehoboth, the third one. After that, Isaac got back into the promised land, out of these foreign countries, and he began to live at a place called Beersheba. Map in your Bible will show you at the end of the, the nation of Israel is a city, the first city in Israel, Beersheba, in the promised land. And God at that place again visited Isaac and restored the covenant, renewed that same covenant, and he built an altar and sacrificed to God. When the enemies that had been harassing him saw what God had done, how God has blessed him, they came and made peace. And, and they said, we see God's blessed you. We will not harm you anymore. And that day, when the enemy said, we're not going to harm you anymore, now what happened? That very day when the enemy left, God gave them another well in, the, in this land now where they were. I want to read about that in verse 30 to 33 of Genesis 26. Isaac made a feast for all these people who were their enemies. And they ate and they drank. Early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they left in peace. That day, he made a feast, sent them away in peace, and that very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug, and they said, we have found water. And he called that Sheba. And to this day, the name of that town has been Beersheba. Notice the peacemaker in Isaac. Isaac said, verse 29, let's not hurt each other anymore. Let's not keep up this fighting back and forth. Now, let's just say to us as Christians, let's, let's, get beyond, let's grow beyond a place where we're always going back and forth like this with the old nature, with what the devil wants to do. But, but recognize that we have victory in Christ. And in verse 30, he was so peaceful, he made a great feast for them and sent them away in peace. When I was a little boy... Uh, I learned these Bible stories from my mother, and she had names for the original patriarchs. Of course, Abraham, I learned, was a father of faith, a faithful one who believed God. Isaac was called the peacemaker from this very passage of Scripture where he kept making peace. He just moved on. He didn't get under the load of the condemnation of that thing. He kept moving on to the next place till he got back into the land of God. And then God gave him a new well. Jacob, of course, was a deceiver or the trick one who became Israel, the prince with God. Isaac, this man, Genesis 26, was called the peacemaker. You know what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We need to get along. We need to make peace with God, with our people, our, 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 our friends, our church members, our neighbors. Today I want us to look at Isaac's attitudes and what he did because, let's say, I believe that some of us have had wells of blessing from God. God has blessed us more than we will ever know. We need to give him praise for what he's done. But with all that blessing, we have an enemy that has come up and oftentimes begin to stop up the flow of blessing in the spirit, in our lives. And I know it's an enemy that has done this. Jesus said in John 7, 38, 39, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's going to be wells springing up deep within you. And this he spake of the spirit which had not yet been given. Do you realize the Spirit's been given to us 
as a rushing mighty wind, a well of living water. Told the woman, well, drink of this water. You'll never thirst again. God will provide his blessing. He'll provide the refreshing. Even in Isaiah, it says when they begin to speak of their tongues, this is the refreshing. This is the rest that he has promised. Move in the things of the Spirit and let the river flow. And don't let the enemy rob you of what God has given to us. Everybody say amen. I believe that. And, and I begin to see that an enemy can come in. But Jesus said you're going to flow in this blessing. There will be a well of water springing up within you. Isaiah 35 promised streams in the desert, dry places in our life, streams flowing in a desert place. But too often, the enemy has stopped up our well of living water. I referred to earlier John 10.10. It says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I thought that was on the screen. Guess it's not. That they might have it, you know, he says, to the full. There it is. Have it to the fullness of what God. God wants to bring life into us, not death. Not that's going to kill us. That we might live life to the full in the things of God. It says here in chapter 26 of Genesis that the enemy here took the wells. The wells that good father Abraham had dug to pride blessing and refreshing They had been provided as an inheritance for his son, but those wells had been stopped up. Enemy who is mean put dirt in the wells. He filled them with junk and debris so that no more water could flow out of them, and those wells were useless. Got to be water in a well. Now, I realize we live in modern world, sophisticated society, and we want water, we just go and turn on a little spigot. Right? Uh, a lot of the world doesn't live like that. Go with me next week to India. You'll find people having to walk to a place where there's a well, pump the water, carry it on their head back to their house. The very land where I showed the, the, the convention, bought that land. There is a brick well in that land, probably almost the size of our platform around. Brick going dry, uh, down there, but it's dry. There's no living water coming out of it. But it's picturesque as you see it uh, there uh, with the nests and so on bird, built uh, within it by the birds. Uh, wells are a part of life in another country. And wells are a part of our life. The enemy took junk, took debris, poured it in so no more water could flow out. And those wells were useless. The Bible speaks, Second Peter 2.17 Coming from the the Apostle Peter, who knew about the Spirit-filled life, Peter said about people at the end times that they will be like wells without water. That will be characteristic of people at the end days. They'll be wells without water. They'll be empty inside. There's no joy flowing. The blessing is not there. And the enemy puts all kinds of things in our life today to stop the flow of the Spirit of life in our lives lives. I'll tell you, we can get so taken up with all the problems, with the discouragement, with the bitterness, envy, strife, all of these things can stop the flow of God's blessing. Worry can rob you of the peace of God. Fear can keep you from the blessing flowing in your life. Look at these wells with me one more time. I want to go through them one more time before we close. The first well that they redug in verse 20 The enemy came and said, 
They said, this is our land and our well. No, it wasn't. Abraham dug it. It belonged to Abraham's son. But the enemies came and said, this is our land. And I want to tell you, the enemy, the father of lies, comes oftentimes to God's people with the same thing. He'll come with the same thing and tell us, oh, you're not God's child. You belong to me. I'm your Lord and Master. I'm in charge of you. This is my land. That's what the enemy This is my territory. The enemy says, that, this is my area in your life. Christ hasn't bought you. He hasn't set you free. He has no claim to this territory. Your life, all that you have belongs to me, the enemy will tell us. And you'll hear the enemy say, you'll never be free. This is my land. I own you. And so an argument begins to dwell in our spirit because we know better than that. But we hear that whispered into our brain. It's what we hear on the inside. And how are we ever going to be set free from that law of sin and death? <laughs> Referring back to Pastor Darrell's messages on Romans. He's been teaching us that struggle going on in Romans 7. I'm never going to be set free from what's going on, the struggle. But thank God we moved on to chapter 8 where if we're walking in the Spirit, we don't have to be under a spirit of condemnation. Anybody say amen? But these things that come into our life where there's no flow of the Spirit coming from us. No refreshing, no joy left because an enemy has stopped up our joy. But there is victory. If we put on the armor of God, come in a spirit of faith, take the word of God, we can fight the enemy off and stand for truth and the promises of God that he's given to us that we've received and begin to build again that which God promise, but has been stopped up and taken away from us. This very first well, look at verse 20. Uh, be on the board up here. I've named this well the well of argument. The well of argument in verse 20. They got it cleaned out, water flowing, and they named it Esek. Do you know what Esek means in the Hebrew? It means argument. Argument. That's why I call it the will of argument, because arguments were taking place here with the enemy. It's my land. No, it's our will. No, it's our land. And, and you know, when, we've, when we're fighting back and forth, you can't have peace. We need to get over this argument. We need to get to the place where the argument is over. It is settled. I am God's property. This is God's will. Anything in it, it needs to be cleared out so it can be consecrated and ready to be used by the master. It's time for the arguments that we live in to be over that the rivers of water can once again flow out for the people of God. God, help them to cleanse out all the dirt and the debris from the well. The next well, there was a fight also in verse 21. Call this well the well of anger. If you're taking notes in the back of your bulletin, first is a well of argument. Verse 20, second is the well of anger. Verse 21, the enemy came in and anger was the result. See, the, the enemy robbed God's people of this well also. So they named it Sitna, which in the Hebrew means anger, the well of anger. Many times, anger comes. How many times do we just feel that anger inside? We're fighting. We've been robbed of the peace of the Lord and his blessing flowing in our life. Things have been allowed to be deposited in us and grow in our spirit. Like anger that we just can't for 
forgive. I've heard people actually say to me, even counseling, I, I'm sorry, but I just can't forgive that person. Well, then you're going to live with that anger inside. It's going to rob you. The result is you lose the, the provision and the blessing of the Lord because of anger that's in our life that takes away the flowing of the Spirit from our innermost beings that Jesus promised would be rivers of living water, John 4. What happens? We lose it because of what happened to us. And we get so angry over things that took place, we can't forget it. We're angry at that person that we never could forgive. And the result is our well of living water has gotten stopped up because of the anger that's in our spirit. And we, we find that God isn't flowing through us in praise and worship. We feel dry. We're not rejoicing with others. And we can't be a blessing to others because of something that happened to us that we can't get over. That's what I mean by a well of anger. It says in verse 22, they just had to abandon that well. There was no blessing flowing. They had to flow again. There was no future in that. And I want to tell you, if, there, if we've allowed anger to eat us up, there's no future in that life. Don't keep going down that road because it's not going to lead to God's blessing. The third well is found in verse 22 and 23. I call this one, number three, the well of agreement. The third well they had to redig was named Rehoboth in the Hebrew because they had reached a place where there was no more striving. I, I wonder as I was praying over this message, getting ready, how can I explain this? You say, well, the devil doesn't leave us alone. No, but I think we can come spiritually to a place in God where everything is settled in our spirit, and the enemy realizes he can throw darts at us. It's not going to penetrate anymore. Hallelujah. Uh, he has to realize he's not going to win, and there'll be no more striving in our spirit. Oh, I can have things coming against me, but I don't want it to affect me. I want to be able to come to church and raise my hands and praise God, not say, well, I had such a bad week, I can't praise the Lord this week. All right? It's so bad, I don't think I'll make it to church this week. What's that got to do with it? We're going to enter into the presence of God. Blow it off. Let's come on in. Hallelujah. Let's begin to rejoice at what God's done and not be under the attack of the enemy. I want the enemy to come to the place where he has to realize Daryl Merrill has entered into a, space, a, a place that I really can attack him, but it's not going to affect him. Hallelujah. I want to live there. I want you to live there. I want our church to be there, that we won't be striving over and over about this, arguing about it with anger, but we'll reach a well of agreement between us and God because we reached a place of no more striving, and they had the victory. Verse 22, so he called the name of that Rehoboth and said, now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. I like the living Bible here where it says, now at last, he said, the Lord has made room for us, and we shall thrive. <laughs> he made room for us. We're going to thrive from here. So he named it Rehoboth, which means the well of room enough for us at last. At last, we have victory. I don't want us to say, well, I'm going to have victory someday when I get over. I want us to say, peace is mine now. The blessing is mine now. God's Spirit is flowing now in me. I want the blessing in my life now. And they said in verse 22, now at last the Lord has made a place for us and we shall thrive. 
often called this though also the well of acceptance because the enemy realized that he wasn't going to win. Hallelujah. I have been convinced for years that what Jesus said is true. When he said, I am going to build my church, I want to tell you, it's going to happen no matter what people do about it. It is going to be built. It is settled. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. The devil was put under his feet. There is no more argument about it. It is done. Let's quit listening to the enemy. Let's begin to praise God in the spirit and let it flow out of our innermost beings. The enemy has to realize he's not going to win. So the air well was opened up and a blessing began to flow. Notice the victory here at last. After all my struggles, after all these stopped up wells, these times where the blessing wasn't there, he hath made room for me in victory and we shall thrive. What a great day. That is, when we realize that the enemy is defeated. The enemy is under his feet. If you can't believe it here, wait till you get to heaven. You're going to see that it's real. It is true. He is on the throne. God rules and God reigns. And I heard my father-in-law say one time, my throne might be a little shaky, what I'm doing. People can bounce off of me, but his throne hasn't moved an inch. Remember that. God's throne hasn't moved an inch. He has provided streams of living water that you can enter into. I can flow in the blessing of the Spirit. I don't have to strive anymore. You know what I like as I was reading about? There is so close a sound between those two words to either strive or thrive. Which one do you want? Just change a letter or two. You could go from striving to thriving as we move into Wells that are open before God. Bitterness out of the way. Arguments gone. Anger gone. Hallelujah. We can begin to flow in the spirit. So we can rest in him. I can thrive. That's what the word means in my Christian life. With wells of living water flowing up and out of me. That's real victory. Number one, no more arguing with the old nature. Book of Romans tells you it is settled. No more, ang- no more anger at the things that's happened to me because I'm at peace and thriving in the fullness of my new Christian life and my experience with the Lord. And I want to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Not the end of the story. There's one more welcome. Remember, they moved back into the promised land, back where the promises were made. And another well, as they moved back into the land, verse 32, they dug another well and got water the very day that they made peace and settled it with the enemy. When it was settled with the enemy, there was a new well. That very day, and I call this the well of abundance. That day there was a brand new well, and they named that well Sheba. The name of well Sheba in Hebrew means the well of the oath. The well of the promise. The well of God's covenant. The well of abundance in the place of God's blessing because they now were living back in the fullness of the promises of God. They had been out on enemy territory and they got attacked every time. But when the enemy realized I can't win, they could move back into the promised land. And they even named the, the city after that well, Beersheba. It's on your maps, Beersheba, a city in the promised land. As we come to the end of this story of Isaac redigging his wells, I want us to answer this morning, 
Where are we living in our lives? Where are we living? I just wish our congregation, our people that are going on with God, could live with wells that aren't stopped up anymore. That we aren't living with stopped up wells. No flowing in the things of God. Being dry in our spirit. Being defeated over what the enemy tells us. That we're not living with a well-named argument because of the struggle, the arguments going on within us. We're not living with a well-called anger because we've never gotten over what was done to us and we just can't forgive. Let God give you peace, forgiveness. Just get over it. Thirdly, or are we in the place where we can say at last, finally in my Christian life, God's made room for me and I'm going to thrive. I'm one of God's sons. He gave me an inheritance. I'm going to thrive in what God has done for me. But whatever it is, make sure you are living under the blood of the covenant, under the last Sheba. Make sure that the covenant has placed you in the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of his covenant where we're cleansed, forgiven, restored to an abundance in our life. Totally forgiven. Everything's settled between you and the Lord. That's my message this morning. Let everything get settled. Don't quit messing around with stopped up wells when God's got an abundance for us. I'd like to close in prayer that God would help us to thrive in our joy. As we bow our heads, Jonathan is going to play a, a little bit in closing. I want to just take a minute, look inside, and as I ask you, would you please say to yourself, where am I living today? Where am I living? Am I living with arguments and fighting going on? I'm not talking about between people. I'm talking about between you and, and spirituality, you and the Lord, or you and the devil. Where there's place no blessing because there's mo- so much struggle in our Christian life? Or are we living in a place of anger with old feelings that just eat us up? Spiritual lives that are all stopped up because of attitude of hatred or ill will or just being angry in life. I want to I clean out the arguments, get rid of the anger, and begin to live in a place of abundance, thriving in what God's got for us. Dear Lord, we just ask you at this close of the service this morning to look deep within us. Lord, help us understand that picture that we are a well of living water after the Spirit comes in. I pray, pour in your Spirit that out of us shall begin to flow rivers of clean living water, rivers of blessing, rivers of praise, rivers of victory. Oh God, let the rivers begin to flow, not being stopped up. Lord, I pray with Psalmist David this morning. We said, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try me, O Lord, and, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That prayer I just prayed is in Psalms 51, if you're going to read it. It could be our conclusion this morning. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the water. Let the Spirit begin to flow. Because altars always open up as His blessing comes in. Let's stand, shall we? Thank the Lord. Father, I thank you for the people that are here this morning to hear this message. For those that are listening online right now. 
those that get a CD later. I thank you, O oh God, whoever hears this message. I pray there will be a breakthrough in their wells. Lord, help us to get so beyond the enemy territory that even the devil knows we have victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Give us an abundance. Get rid of our arguments, Lord. Get rid of our anger. Get rid of everything that would keep us from the abundant blessing of the Lord that you have for us. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe this this morning. Hallelujah. I believe it. And I thank God for it. Hallelujah. Can we just receive the blessing of the Lord? And uh, this blessing, that, that uh, benediction that Pastor Darrell gives every week, comes from this old time of patriarchs, right from that time, clear for us today, where it says, may the Lord bless you and protect you right now. If you think that well, say, Lord, bless me and protect me from things that would get piled up in my life. Secondly, may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Greet one another if anybody needs prayer. Altars are always open afterwards. Feel free to come and pray and take that message and live it this week. And God bless you each one. God bless you. Amen.